in the complaint episode, we talk about it being kind of a natural first step, but how do you know when you're kind of, you get through complaint and you get through meltdown and it's, you've left natural step territory and you're getting into like, okay, now I'm just getting in my own way of seeing mm-hmm. provision. Like how to, I guess, I guess that's Noticing. the kind of question for me. Noticing. Like, yeah. Notice that you've been through those phases. <clears throat> and I think there's also, um, for me, what also came to sprung to mind is a little bit of like um, contentment. Like you're, there's a, there's a um, piece of not that you want this to be what it's going to be for forever, but there is a slight piece in saying, this is, this is what's happened. This is my wilderness right now. Um, Because I think when we're able to accept that moment, I think that's where we can then see where God is. Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. And today on the podcast, we continue in this season where we look at the joy of wilderness. Is it really joy? I don't no. know. Um, <laughs> but, but finding our way through the wilderness, the journey that it is. And just as a reminder, we are in the middle of this season where we're looking at many of the five different stages that many of us often go through during a period of wilderness. If you're jumping in the middle in this episode, know that the previous two episodes name the the power and place of complaint within our journey of the wilderness. Also, the meltdown that comes when we just feel overwhelmed and overloaded. Uh, And today, we're going to move to a place where we begin to acknowledge and experience uh, God's care and God's provision even in the midst of the wilderness. So when we talk about provision, I think when we talk about that within Christian circles, 7,000 different definitions come, come into play, okay. right? Uh, sometimes provision comes in, into play when we think about going to the grocery store and getting a front row parking spot. Thanks be to God that I got a hashtag blessed parking spot, hashtag right? Blessed life. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, for, for the purposes of you, our audience, if you've been with us at all, you know that that's not the kind of provision that we're going to be talking about today, but we're going to be looking at how God meets us in the midst of, uh, of life, in its wilderness journeys, in its joy journeys, in every place along the way. And I think, again, we're going to be tracking through the um, journey of the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament, but also specifically in the Exodus story, right? Uh, we, we've talked over the last couple of weeks of the moments where you know, they've had their hissy fits. They've longed to, to um, go back to Egypt where they had plenty to drink and plenty to eat and, and life was known. And, and even if it wasn't comfortable, at least it was what they were used to. Today, we're going to look about how God responds. Melissa, if you had to characterize in a few words how God responds to the hissy that people often throw, what would you say? Eye rolling. <laughs> okay. I think God eye rolls at us like a good parent would. Um <laughs> I, and followed with compassion. Mm, okay. So a little condescension and then compassion? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So why don't you unpack how you've seen that compassion mm-hmm. lived out both in the scriptures and then um maybe in some of the places uh in, in life and in community and, and in faith. <laughs> 
over time? Yeah, so where my mind actually first went with provision, because I, when we get to the issue of provision, um, this is going to sound so nerdy, but I think it's true. All right, so in seminary, you have to write this, like, instead of a thesis for your master's, you write a credo. Uh, Daniel had to write one as well. Uh, I did, which is yeah. Latin for I believe. Yes, right. and um, the, it, at Perkins, where Daniel and I both went, you actually only get 30 pages to write what you believe, which at first sounds like a whole lot of space to like write and write on. Um, but then when you break it out into like, if you think about faith in like seven big chunks of like, you know, by the time you like God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, like there's three and you still have to do like church, like, right? Like it goes really fast. That means you only have about two and a half pages to speak about each of these things. The space that I think was actually the weakest part of my credo um, was the provision part. And I think that's because um, partially for me, I think it's because I've lived a fairly privileged life. Um, and I try not to allow my privileges that I have been born into being an American, being white, you know, all these kinds of things that we could list, um, living in a, you know, mostly middle upper income family, these kinds right. of things to not be the provisions that God provides for me. Um, mm. So all that to say, I actually, I love to talk about provision and to say that I actually feel like I know the least about provision, but I think stories like um, Hagar mm. in the scriptures are actually some of the most beautiful stories of provision, not the stories. Like I think, Oftentimes when we think about provision, we look at, you know, God providing all the plagues for the Israelites so that they could leave Egypt, right? We see that as provision. Mm -hmm. And could we get into that? Yes, we could. But I actually think the most powerful stories are the really quiet ones. So Hagar, if mm -hmm. you don't remember, is um, Sarah's slave, um, right. and Sarah, the wife of Abraham. And when, you know, Abraham keeps being promised, you know, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars. And Sarah's like, I'm old, I'm barren. It's the two things everyone knows and names about me, right? <laughs> like literally it says it over and over again in scriptures. Like right. the first time you meet Sarah is like, Sarah was the wife of Abraham and she's barren. That's like the first statement you hear about her. Um, anyway, so eventually Sarah like is like, it's not going to be by me. So she gives her slave Hagar to Abraham to, you know, be able to have this family line. Right. And Hagar does surprise Hagar gets pregnant. Right. right. But then Sarah treats her so harshly that Hagar runs away twice, actually. Right. Um, Two desert it, journeys on her own. Yeah. And yeah. at one point, she, there is nothing around, right? She's in the literal wilderness and in the literal wilderness where she thinks her and her child are about to um, be dehydrated, right? Like where they're about to die from dehydration. Um, that's when God comes and meets with her and God provides a well for Hagar. And uh, Hagar becomes the first person to name God in our scriptures in that mm. and she names him Elroy the God who sees me 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's such a powerful way to talk about provision too. Yeah. But it's the God who sees us. The, and, and I think the, the, the God who is paying attention. So, cause the thing that jumped out to me is not just the God who sees, but the God who hears, right? We've been wrestling with the, the story from the beginning of the Exodus journey where six weeks in, right? They're, they're ready to, to go back to Egypt. They're ready to, to bolt and say, look, we're done. We're hot. We're tired. We've been walking for six weeks. We don't know when this thing is going to end. Let us go back to Egypt. And God hears the complaints, but then responds to those complaints too. In the same way God sees Hagar, he hears the people of Israel. And, and we can argue whether or not there's an eye roll involved, Melissa, which <laughs> may be like, and probably not the first time, but yeah. they complain like multiple times through the journey yeah. and, and throw mm. hissy fits multiple times through the journey because they're human. And, and that's generally what we do. Um, right. Which I think that's actually a really important fact about this. Like, you know, we're talking about these experiences of the, in the wilderness of complaint, meltdown, provision, you know, and then um, discipline and growth. But it's not a it's not a linear journey. Like it's much right. like the Israelites wandering in the desert. We can come back to complaint and meltdown over and over again. It's definitely not linear for the Israelites. That's I think right. that's, we all know that. Right. No, that there is circuitousness and wandering and yeah. And, and we got to remember also that, you know, they're the beginning of a journey, right? This, this wilderness piece, you know, we, we read it as people who know the end of the story and assume that they have this whole complete connected relationship with God and that they've trust God with everything. And, and they just don't, right? Because, you know, while the story is written, about our ancestors in the faith. And we read it as though, you know, they're the foundation of the faith that we carry to this day. They didn't start as the foundation. They started as people, right? And did this wandering journey. And, and I'm doing a thing that's only helpful in a video <laughs> podcast, not an audio podcast where fingers jumped around all over everywhere. But, <laughs> but they go on a wandering and, and over time, like even Moses, right? We like to think of the burning bush at the beginning of the Exodus journey, right? where God says, you will go set the people free. And then we skip ahead to him setting the people free. But even Moses, like the, one of the, the fathers of the people of Israel, leader of the Exodus, before he ever went to see Pharaoh, had like a thousand excuses for God. Right. That, you know, yeah. I'm not ready to do this. You sure you could find somebody better than me. Have, have you seen my LinkedIn profile? This isn't the job for me, right? Um, it's changed that yeah. I think was that's because it was a big change for him even though like as the reader we kind of have the insight to go uh dude you're just like you know a shepherd this is kind of like a this great call you know we see it as this like how could you refuse like god talking to you from a bush and we like to think you know if, if we were in that situation we would be like all for it <laughs> but right. like i don't know it's just you're any anybody who has kind of their routine their life set up like is going to I feel like it's more human nature to just resist that and to complain about mm-hmm. it and to, you know, and so I've always I found love, that in my story. I love the way you phrase that, Keeper, so much. This is a small rabbit trail that I promise we won't go down very long. <laughs> but when you said that, of like, you're just a simple shepherd, the story that I actually thought of wasn't of Moses' story, but actually is that in Amos's call story of the prophet, it's the, it's one of the simplest call stories. And it just says he was a shepherd in this like small, like not really cared about, not very significant city. Like 
that's all he was. Like, that's the entire, and God mm-hmm. called him. Like, that's the extent of his. So it actually makes me think, like, man, how beautiful is it that when Israelites, when Jewish people probably read that call story of Amos, they actually probably hear Moses' story. They don't need mm. all the, like, pomp and circumstance because it's so tied to, yeah, God does call just the shepherd. And maybe Amos had his list of excuses, but we don't need to go through that story because we've had that story before. Mm. Mm. And and God provides for Moses, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that's an interesting connection with Amos, with Moses, with this equipping and calling, you know, regular, ordinary shepherd kind of people, right? Um, we think we look for provision. And I think, Melissa, you're not alone in, in at least in Methodist world, right? Um, of there are segments of the Christian family tree that are all over provision all the time. That's right. Yeah. And, but then there are those of us who, who struggle to, to articulate a full theology of provision well because of the privilege we grew up in, because of the the distinctions that we want to draw between, you know, um, different things. But provision in scripture often comes in these big, grand, huge ways, but literally manna from heaven. Yes. Right. You know, little bread crackers that taste like honey somehow that just show up on the dirt at the beginning of every morning, right? Or we think of the, the feeding of the 5,000 with, yeah. with Jesus later on. Or we think of all of these moments. Uh, I mean, Jesus feeds 4,000 and 5,000 and then turns water into wine. I mean, there's all these kinds of provision moments that, that happen in, in these kind of big supernatural kind of ways. And, and as 21st century Christians, many of us struggle to see that kind of provision take place in our midst, right? But, and and I can't remember the exact source of it now, but it was in, I was reading in preparation for a sermon on the the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000 one time, reading in some of the ancient Christian um, uh, commentaries about, you know, how did people really wrestle with this story and and God's provision in the midst of it? And, And at least one of the, the ancient fathers of the faith, you know, held that part of how God's provision got worked out in the two, you know, the, in the loaves and the fish, right, was that it multiplied in part, you know, we could, we kind of have the supernatural explanation, right? It just went poof, because Jesus is Jesus, right? And we're not. Um, but also that the compassion and heart and blessing of this movement that Jesus was spawning and the sacrifice of this child who brought all that he had spurred a collective sharing and a collective provision that was inspired by God that moved from how are we going to feed all these people to we have 12 baskets left over at the end. And, and I think for me, provision, um, at least in the ways we first level think about it, you know, providing for give Lord provide me this day, my daily bread, right? It's part of the Lord's prayer. Give us today our daily bread, right? Uh, Those kind of base levels of provision, the manna at the beginning of the day kind of provision happens in a communal place in a Christian community place happens through God's people um, more often in my life than in a supernatural kind of poof it appeared kind of way. Right. Um, that's part of the reason why we, 
the supernatural piece is when we notice it happening, when we don't mm. take it for granted. Yeah. So would yeah. you say that it's kind of like always happen? Like, is it like it's happening and like, you know, like provision is happening or will happen. And like, that's kind of more of the fact. And so the, the moment that matters is more the moment where we notice it. Is that what you're kind of saying? Rather than like when, uh, like kind of just letting it, like if we, if we choose to kind of stay in complaint, like we keep ourselves from noticing it, like, I'm, is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that it continues to happen, but we don't see it. Right, right. because if you oh. think about it, the, the manna, the provision is already there. And the Back to Egypt committee is still meeting while they're eating <laughs> manna, right? Like the right. provision's there. And so I do think there's this very important step of like noticing. Um, I was trying to think about, cause like, it's one of those things, I think for me, um, and I know some people don't like this answer, but I am completely comfortable with this answer. To me, part of provision for my faith at this stage is a little bit of trusting the mystery of who God is, mm -hmm. of not trying to explain, like to perfectly have the perfect knowledge about who God is, because God is bigger than any concept that I can grasp. And so allowing that to happen allows me to give a little bit more of like, I don't full, I, as Daniel put it really well, like we, we struggle to articulate. I struggle to articulate provision really clearly. Yet, I will not deny that it happens throughout mm. scripture and that it's happened in my own life. And Daniel, one of the things that you named so well, because as you were talking, I was thinking about, okay, where has provision happened in my own life? Right. And every time it's happened, even if it's just me, there's been some kind of connection to community. And I think, Kiefer, for you, like the thing that you brought up about it is I think that the community is what helps me to notice. So even if it's a provision that God provides just for me, the the word or the right silence or the right space or the wind blowing at just the right moment to bring that overwhelming peace. Um, all of those things I think happen because one, I slow down enough to notice them, but I've been in a community that is pulling me back and back and back again to say, be open to where God is moving. Right. right? And that is the supernatural piece of it. I was I was thinking about this series actually the other day when I was watching TV. I liked your you went to seminary and <laughs> with your original response to Daniel, but my head actually went to something that I was uh, that I saw on TV the other day. Uh, I was rewatching Daredevil on Netflix. I don't know if you ever watched the Netflix Marvel series, but there's a uh, there's a he's famously Catholic, um, and so there's a lot of scenes like with him talking to either his priest or. Uh, mm -hmm. a nun in this particular case um, and he's talking to a nun and she makes this comment about how people um, she finds that when people come to the church like with their problems she's used to like kind of putting on a brave face and more listening in such a way to like she says I find if if you keep them talking long enough they also come with their answers with their solutions mm -hmm. like it's it's not her giving this great advice it's it's people kind of already having understood kind of like what their next steps are and so they kind of come with these great complaints and these sometimes meltdowns too but if they, if they all she has to do is kind of actively listen and sort of guide 
and just kind of wait. And then there's kind of this moment, I guess, where they both are like, well, what did you, did you just hear what you just said? Maybe, maybe this is your, you know, the way forward. Maybe this is the answer. And I want, and it made me just think about this conversation. And I knew with, that provision was coming up in thinking that like, I wonder if kind of I like what, what you were saying earlier about provision uh, kind of happening and the, the, the committee on going back to Egypt still meeting, even while God is literally providing food for them. Like it's so on the nose. Um, is sort of like at what how do you know I guess at what point complaint because I know in the complaint episode we talk about it being kind of a natural first step but how do you know when you're kind of you get through complaint you get through meltdown and it's you've left natural step territory and you're getting into like okay now I'm just getting in my own way of seeing Mm -hmm. provision like how do I guess I guess that's the kind of question for me noticing yeah notice that you've been through those phases and I think there's also um for me what also came to sprung to mind is a little bit of like um contentment like you're there's a there's a um peace of not that you want this to be what it's going to be for forever but there is a slight peace in saying this is this is what's happened this is my wilderness right now um, because I think when we're able to accept that moment, I think that's where we can then see where God is. And I love the imagery mm. of the nun who listens really well, mm. because I think that's what God does for us so many times. And I think that there is that we forget so many times that when God created us, God called us good or in the CEB, right. it's all supremely good. And I think a lot of times we like to say that the fall broke all that. I think that's a false way of putting it. Mm-hmm. The, the fall does diminish, right? But it doesn't take away that the goodness is still there. And that goodness is God's divine image that we're made in. And so I think um, what allows us to move to provision is that goodness that God still sees in us. Well, and, and often uh, you've spoken to the power of, you know, the place of that none, right? And, and often, sometimes we have nuns in our lives, but sometimes it's just the people who we are claiming and walking through life with, right? Who yeah. who are willing to journey with us to help us sort of see and discover and, and name. Um, you know, and a part of this is a naming issue, right? Uh, so often... Uh, especially in, in a cultural context that is pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, individualistic, empowered, all of that. We can see lots of things that have happened in our lives and name them. It's because me and I'm special and I'm awesome. Kind of the the most extreme uh, version of the overly um, empowered. God created me and called me good and, and didn't do anything else after that because the rest of it's on me because I am awesome <laughs> and amazing and fantastic and, and check this out, right? Where, you know, I think that often part of acknowledging and seeing provision is, is, is a invitation to see and name where 
where it is at work and where is the good and where is the joy, right? We've been uh, doing a series of web videos over the course of this summer looking, you know, called Pastors at Six Feet, where we look for the good news in the midst of every week and every day and in a time where good news can be hard to find, right? Um, and, and when we see pieces of, many of those pieces of good news have, have centered around human beings during this pandemic who have engaged in self-sacrificial work for the common good or for the good of somebody else, whether there be frontline healthcare workers or um, some of our more traditional frontline folks, uh, medical um, EMTs, fire department folks, folks who are sacrificing for the, for the rest of humanity in the midst of this season, right? Um, and, and we could name that sacrifice pretty easily if we wanted to as a emblematic of their individual wonderfulness right or as a place where god has placed in all of us a spirit of sacrifice and commitment not just for ourselves but for our inter interdependent whole and name that as a part of our collective provision right the the work of our medical professionals is a an extension of god as our great physician, right? And we get, thank God for their responding to their call and living into that. But it's kind of a, um, it's, it's a way in which provision is provided. That isn't one of those big supernatural things that we, you know, it hits us in the back of the head like a two by four and it's so incredibly clear and duh. I mean, it's not, you know, crackers on the ground kind of, you know, seemingly right. magical yeah. kind of stuff. But it is a way in which God has worked in and through and inspired people uh, to make this world the way it is in, in a way and, and, you know, better each day uh, and more fully living into sort of a kingdom perspective. And so some of some of the power of seeing provision is just in an invitation to name it. And sometimes that comes in community with people like the nun. Uh, and sometimes that is just an individual perspective that can be framed and informed through spiritual practice over time. Right. Ordinary miracles. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ordinary miracles. Yeah. The, uh, when we think about those ordinary miracles, um, I think sometimes the more examples we can have for how people have seen those pop up in their lives, the better, right? Um, and it helps us develop a more robust, if not theology of provision, at least experience of it. Because yeah. I do think you're right, that falling into the mystery of God's presence and God's work in the world is profoundly important. It's part of the reason why we have Holy Communion every month, right? It's an invitation to fall into the mystery every month of the world. And it's provision. a Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's the... The bread is present, but so is the body. The The wine is present, or juice in our case, and so is the blood. It's all the, it's God's provision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, one of those ordinary miracles for me mm, each month, yeah. both in the receiving and in the giving, in the, you know, the, that dual role of receiving and sharing in the midst of that is one of the most holy uh, and connected moments for me in, in life and ministry. And I think the challenge that you kind of named that sparked within me, Daniel, of, of if we get better at 
seeing the provisions in the ordinary miracles all around us, like it'll give us a better theology. I think there's also the um, ability to tell our stories of provision, because I think all three of us on here could tell our stories of provision, even if we can't perfectly articulate the theology that's happening around it. But I think in telling the stories of provision, maybe we'll get a better theology, but maybe mm. that's not the point, you know? Right. Yeah. When, when I think about the stories of provision, I think about the people of provision, yes. right? Because a lot of those little ordinary everyday miracles pop up in, in life lived in community with people who are invested in, in their connection with God, but also in their connection with us, right? And so I could name any number of moments, but as I think about those moments, it's the same 10 faces that keep popping in to my mind, right? Um, and, and so, you know, I think we also would encourage folks to, to wrestle with and think about who, who are those people where God's provision shows up? Who are those people who, who show up in the midst of life's great miracles and life's great hardships? Um, and how are they an act of provision, an act of, of a gift of God for you and with you? Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Keeper. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, the series that we're in, this conversation that we're having about wilderness, um, we are too. And we want to bring as many people into the conversation as we can. And so you can help us do that by leaving a comment, leaving a review, or sharing the link uh, to this episode on your social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, whatever you uh, social media platform you have or you choose and uh, we would love for you to do that so that we can bring again as many people into this conversation as possible and now that we've gathered together today i want to give you an invitation to grow your invitation to grow is simply this be on the lookout for those ordinary miracles for those places in your everyday life where god's provision exists and having spotted them take a moment to say thank you say thank you to god Say thank you to, to the people who were involved and to express your thanksgiving for that ordinary miracle of provision in the midst of your everyday. And now go, receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as we go from this place into our weeks. May you go to encounter the beautiful mystery of who God is in the things that you don't know. May you go to encounter the beautiful provision of who God gives in the community and faces of people who love you like Jesus loves you. And may you go to encounter the Holy Spirit in the quiet moments where God is present even in your wilderness. May you go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.